Welcome to You Never Forget Your First, the podcast about directors' first films, and this is our Christmas special, our final episode to sign off the year that is 2020. We're asking the age-old question, is Die Hard a Christmas film? But what makes this just a little different is that two of the four members of this very podcast have only just seen Die Hard for the very first time. How on earth they've gone through their whole lives never seeing it is about as elusive as John McClane running around Nakatomi Plaza himself. We also have a game that Sparrow takes to an entirely new level, as well as enough impressions to fill a Christmas stocking. Thanks to everyone who's listened this year. There is plenty more to come, and this podcast may have been the only thing that has been keeping me sane throughout this entire year, so do please enjoy. Oh, one more thing. I did notice there is a tiny audio loss at the start of some sentences that some of us say. I think that was to do with the internet connection. I do apologise. Otherwise, enjoy, and Merry Christmas. This is the late show. This is like Radio 1 at 4am. I think we're flattering ourselves with that one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, no shit, lady. Do I look like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> I'll do it on the night. It's the night. It's it the is night. the night. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the um, night, man. I'm joined by three other people. Uh, I'm Dong. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm joined by Benas. Yeah, good morning, good evening. I'm joined by Louis. Hello. It looks like he's about to present a boxing fight. Yeah. Holding your mic. <laughs> and I'm joined by Sparrow. Merry Christmas, one and all. Will this actually be going out before Christmas is the question. This this will be going out on, on Christmas night. Day. On Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Okay. This is a Christmas you just, Day. You, so... just, you just committed yourself to that because it'll now be out if it's That's... any later than Christmas. <laughs> That's why I've been so adamant about it being an hour recording because I can't face any more editing. Tom on Christmas Eve is just like sweating into the computer. <laughs> Got a deadline, man. <laughs> Dylan whipping me in the back. <laughs> it's going to be like a record turnaround. Uh, some big checks being written right now. Let's <laughs> hope you can cash them. <laughs> How is everyone? How is uh, tier four? <sighs> Have not noticed the difference. What tier are you guys in? Uh, last time I checked, we're, I'm in five. Is that when they come around to your house personally and tell you? Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Them? They do your shopping for you, so it's not that bad. <laughs> You're not allowed to breathe out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tier two. Um, so it's oh, okay, okay. Uh, Fancy Mr. Tier two over here. That's okay for some people. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> yeah, again, the substantial yeah. meals in. You're half the tier I am. Yeah, I know. I'm half the man. Oh, you're half the tier and half, half the man. Half the man, double the you fun. You're half the danger. <laughs> the only noticeable difference is really like pubs and restaurants and things I haven't been to any of the past few days. I haven't um haven't experienced anything. Yeah. So really, so, you're not taking this tier to the level you should be. I'm not yeah, making the most of it. Tier two is wasted on you. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making the most of it. people who care. Yeah, tier my, two is a dot to you. My limited freedom. <laughs> Has everyone been watching anything? I mean, obviously, Benaz has. We know we've got a huge list. And that's the pod, yeah. Benaz, if there's one film from your list that you could tell us about. Say I Were Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Um, it's like the cross, it's the horror crossover of Freaky Friday and... Um, oh, yeah, Freaky Friday and Friday the 13th. 13th? Whatever. Um, it's good. It, like, it's great. I thought I won't like it due to too much humor in horror films, which I don't like. Um, but this one had a good like level. Keep horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Vince Vaughn, he's great. I, I really like him. So it was, it was a good crossover, had some good scary bits, and uh, some of the depths were really really cool and creative, So, which is always fun in a Bloomhouse film. I love him in Swingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's money. Money, baby. Money, baby. <laughs> I have to shout out to one other film on your list. I've noticed another round, the Danish film. Mm. With the Thomas Shit. Vinterberg film yeah. with yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. They were all like kind of like boring. Uh, they kind of turned into boring teachers, but it used to be fun. Um, and then this guy is like, uh, oh, there's a philosopher who who insists that humans are born with like alcohol level deficiency. So you need to keep uh, a level of 0.5 uh, at all times to be a confident kind of creative person who, who can kind of always reach his best but obviously <laughs> ha- that shit has its consequences because you know you, you take that shit far um, yeah, the trailer is really good if anyone wants this to film watch is it. actually <laughs> really it's literally a, a mitchell and webb sketch which is <laughs> about two minutes long which is in, which is based on that exact same thing it's like oh, really? you know, i think that's been everyone's approach to 2020 yeah, yeah. Just keep, <laughs> keep your base alcohol level to a certain <laughs> As it's the Christmas one, uh, I've been watching something pretty festive, which is The Ripper. 
Um, he's a documentary <laughs> about the Yorkshire River. Yes. So that gets so that gets everyone else out singing hymns together. Um, no, but it's up to, in all seriousness. It's um, it's a good um, really good documentary about the Yorkshire Ripper. Most people have probably heard of him, but it, like any kind of good doc, it, you learn so much more. And re- like, and obviously for us, it was all pre our you know, it's before we were born when he was at his height. So like, you just learn so much about the the cultural impact and like how it was dealt with by the press, the mistakes that were made. Yeah, it was really good. I was saying to Sparrow, it's it's a documentary, but it feels like Netflix are gonna have to make like a 10-part drama series <laughs> where like they cast someone really big and turn it into a big thing yeah yeah be like robert downey jr is the <laughs> ripper <laughs> he'll deal with he'll the ripper. Yeah. <laughs> that is classic netflix territory isn't it you know take mm-hmm. some kind of grisly like crime story and turn it into a expose i've been watching the handmaid's tale uh which is That's not new still going on um i don't know actually i think still I, I, handmaid- I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it came out in what 2017 and there's three seasons so it, they could be making a fourth because it would be around about now i don't know um sure. but i've just watched the first nice. two seasons really good but really harrowing really not what you need to be watching at the end of 2020 <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's quite an intense watch yeah yeah um, i think it was sort of it's obviously an 80s um classic the book but i think the, the tv show was probably made a little bit in reaction to trump being elected and it's all very kind of um alarmist and horrible and harrowing but it's very good i I think i can't remember if i mentioned it i watched the guilty which is this danish film oh yeah yeah. all set i think ben has seen it uh set inside a call center where a guy who works in copenhagen gets an an alarming call from a woman Mm -hmm. i think and then the whole film is just in this call center so sparrow's headset would be it actually has like sparrow's headset (laughs) (laughs) um but it's an amazing film it's a debut so i imagine we'll do it at some point but it it is such a good film it's so tense and all you ever hear is the sound from the other end of the phone of like what's going on it's very subversive as well um because obviously there's been quite a few films that were done kind of like one setting one call center like for example Haley berry did one in about 10 years ago or so um but this one is very subversive very tense uh so much so that jake gyllenhaal is making making to american film so yeah it's got having an american version nice. i also watched state of the union on louis uh louis recommend finished oh, it. oh you watched it yeah watched all of it what did you um, think yeah it's great it's a i think it's 10 episodes 10 minutes long mm. a couple meeting in a pub before they go to their uh counseling i don't know what, what mm. you call it um it was great yeah it's got uh chris O'Dowd and um rosamund pike it was really good it was very interesting how it was like it was so well written that sometimes when people were saying lines you were like yeah people don't talk like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> you're, just, you're just listening to the writing not listening to the voices yeah at 10 minutes an episode it's good because at, at nine and a half minutes sparrows attention span will start to wane and then episode <laughs> will end. yeah it's 10 sparrows actually i'm gonna st- i'm gonna watch uh this coming weekend you only live twice which is the first roger moore film it's sean oh. connery no, no, no. Uh, the first Roger Moore is, is Live and Let Die, I think. Live and Let Die, that's what I'm going to watch. I've got I've got <laughs> confused between my bonds. Yeah, I'm still doing that. Uh, that's still going on. Fucking hell, yeah. It's taken a while. I just need a year at home to watch it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one more like pandemic. Been, one more. Like straight up avoiding watching it. Honestly, I, I feel like I've been watching it for so long, I'm actually starting to go backwards. Like, to what, <laughs> I've just got to like a certain point, and Ten now minutes. I'm like going back. Yeah, exactly. Just You just reminded me, speaking of the bond, that MGM placed itself on for sale. <laughs> Weirdly. Really? Yeah. Does that mean that the bond rights are up for up for sale? Um I don't think MGM holds the rights. Oh, it's Eon. Eon with Barbara Rockley. Um but oh, I'm just gonna say we could have we could have bid on it as a podcast. <laughs> well, we could have we could have a whip round. Well the thing, <laughs> the thing is everyone is actually making that joke that basically is just on like Facebook marketplace, you can just go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone on eBay being like, I got a reserve of five hundred pounds on this stuff. But it's probably because of like the amount of movies that are on hold, Bond being their biggest one, MGM. After what, Sony lost the distribution rights? MGM picked it up. Ironically, they can't fucking release shit. Hopefully next year that's going to come out. Does this mean that the Bond is going to be a Netflix series next year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lord, I hope so. <laughs> Your Netflix ten, original series. Netflix original ten, drama. Ten minute episodes. <laughs> yeah. Him just like trying to sort his watch out, being like, can't solve the time on the Omega. <laughs> 
We have a game this episode, which I guess we should get into. Oh yeah, why not? Ooh. It's actually been cooked up by none other than Louis, who's been cooking it up for a few days and decided <laughs> it, was now, it was now ready to take out the oven. Pouring yourself a little champagne. Put a bit of stuffing in it. Coming down to our game, which we've called Christmas Actually, uh, in reference to Love Actually we did last year. In honour. Really in honour. That's, that's the only connection Rich there Curtis, is. Rich boy. Can't believe Ben has missed his favourite director. Oh, yeah. I know. Homage to the best film we've done on this pod, I think. Tell <laughs> <laughs> you what, it was a damn good episode, all right? <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, a good episode, and it cost it four pounds. four pounds, we're crying out loud. <laughs> Jaffa uh, cakes. Anyway, um... <laughs> Oh my god, wait, no, sorry, I do need to say, uh, for for the benefit of our our, our adoring listeners, so I actually did an ad the other week with the voice behind that joke. So the guy who on the thick of it says, these are good biscuits and they cost four pounds. We cast him in an ad and I was recording with him in a studio and it, I, I can die happy now. Sorry, carry on, Dom. <laughs> that is funny. You sent me, you sent me a, a video of him talking and I was just like, I know who that is, but I can't remember who it is. Anyway, sorry. Um, Christmas Actually, our game is we've each of us are going to take one of our favorite films hopefully we haven't chosen something that was obscurely released on vhs in 1984 <laughs> that people might know so and hard. then try and try and in the theme of christmas try and sell it to the rest of us that it is in fact a christmas movie even though in reality when it was released it probably had no intention of being a christmas film <laughs> fair um, enough who, who wants to go first I want to see I'm, how you guys do this. Um, I'm, I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it's very, it's very good. Banas is like, I'm just going to change the name of the film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, I do love, actually, so the film, <laughs> yeah, the film I've chosen is um is probably a classic or one of my favourite kind of all time classic legal dramas. I put it up there on, in the realms of Runaway Jury, the Primal Fear, to think. <laughs> All, all, those, all those sorts of kind of courtroom films. Um, it's just, and it's quite topical because it touches on like um, people's true identity and um, what's the other word? Kind of imperson- being an imposter when you impersonate someone. I'm going to try and convince you all that A Miracle on 34th Street is in fact a Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, Even yeah. Most people think it's just a courtroom drama. But it it, it is. <laughs> like it's been regarded. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of- I know. That's what I know. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my job well. I'm confused by this game. <laughs> the thing is, he seeded this rumor online before before coming on here. That's why you've why you've heard that. So you've chosen a Christmas film to convince us it's a Christmas film. It is a Christmas film. I'm fucking confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're meant to choose a film that isn't a Christmas film and convince it isn't us a Christmas film. Most people think it's a legal drama. Hang on, hang no, on. No, wait. no it's, I, it's, I, it's, I, we've now got into a situation where Spano is is trying to convince us that it's not a Christmas <laughs> film, so that he can enter it into the game. This is genius. No, 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 it is. He's getting us to make the argument for him. Yeah, no, I'm, t- I'm taking the piss. No, no, so I, I didn't really have one, so I just decided to try and. <laughs> you actually convinced us that that was it. No, that was. So I haven't actually got one. I was just going to try and um, get into a debate. About uh, a miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Okay, that's, that's a novel approach to the game. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a backwards approach to the first time it's ever been played. Yeah. So it was probably a, not the best person to go first. It was a whole first move. Let's put it that way. Do you know the film quite well? Not really. I just remember <laughs> that there is like a bit where like, Father Christmas is in court. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, I am Chris Kringle. You remember that there's a bit where Father Christmas is in court. What are you doing? But, but like, that, like, this isn't a Christmas film. Yeah. Is, no, honestly, that's, that's what I was saying about the legal drama. There's a bit where he's like, I am Chris Kringle, and they're, they're trying to determine whether he's like sane or not. All right, guys, I'm going to do mine. Mine's Christmas Carol. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I almost feel like that's just a reverse version of the game. <laughs> we're trying to convince people that like, help. It's a tenet Christmas. Yeah, convince us that it's not a Christmas film. Okay, well, that, that was funny. That was a strong opening gambit. That, that was, was a strong opening, yeah. That was a Queen's gambit. Don, why don't you go? Yeah, come on. Uh, no, I, I'll let Louis go first, because technically go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how to follow that one. Um, <laughs> Just by playing no, the, game. In the game. So I, uh, I delved into the archives of uh, You Never Forget Your First podcast for this, because I figured that would be the most relevant. And um, in Bruges? I think I think the strongest case... Ooh, in Bruges is a good one, but I think almost that's too obvious. I think the strongest case I could come up with was um, for uh, a documentary, actually, called Catfish, uh, which I'm... I'm <laughs> I think okay, it's okay. really just one big, um, one big allegory, one big metaphor, really, for for Christmas and what it means. And it comes at it from two fronts, right? So, on the one hand, you've got the uh, the triumph of community love over romantic love, right? So, 
every other day of the year we're served this idea of love being between you know one person and another and it's all about romance it's all about sex it's all about getting together and all that kind of stuff and that's how you know the the, the catfish love story begins but as it evolves and you know he realizes he's been duped and he realizes that he's um not met the woman of his dreams first he's angry sure right? Just, just as humanity was originally angry with Jesus, eventually that blossoms into a kind of purer love, right? Where they become friends and they get on with each other and they sort of support each other. And it's all about the triumph of community love over, over romantic love, you know, and that being the real sort of true bond that, um, that unites us. And I think that's what Christmas is all about, guys. And that there, is another, there is another way that it comes at it, which is, um, I think from the religious angle, which is, you know, God sent his son... <laughs> to you know to keep us uh keep us happy and healthy and uh and get us ready for the kingdom of heaven and i think that's a little bit like you know putting a catfish amongst the cod uh, oh <laughs> you're gonna uh, say me was jesus no no, no yeah, I, I, go I, was, I was going for that one <laughs> i wouldn't go that far but i would say you know this whole story about the catfish keeping the cod healthy on their journey it's a little bit like you know jesus keeping us healthy on our journey through life wasn't it meant to be catfish keeps them on their toes so you're saying jesus keeps us on our toes yeah, exactly. Keeps us honest, keeps us uh, moral, keeps us... Um, you saying that Facebook is the digital cathedral that brings people together? <laughs> I think I couldn't have put it better myself, Tom. I couldn't have put it better myself. So I am making the case that Catfish actually is a Christmas film. Huh. Okay. Okay. Sold. It's not. It's not as good as Sparrow's, but it's almost there. <laughs> I don't think anyone will get. get I mean, well, no it's difficult because Louis actually did it properly, and yeah. I. Did. <laughs> Just... What's ironic is you catfished all of us. <laughs> uh, Dom, you go. Um, okay, mine's I, now. I'm looking at mine. It's actually more straight than I realised, but um, obviously I chose a Nolan film. <laughs> obviously, I'm, no I'm Nolan. worried that Panis and I might have chosen the same film. No, no, uh, no, it's fine. You're fine. You're good. Okay um you chose monsters inc yeah yeah um, <laughs> monsters actually i'm gonna argue that the dark knight rises is actually a christmas film and <laughs> okay the, the obvious part of it that came to me was that the latter third of the film is set in winter when it's snowing i mean there isn't necessarily any indication that it's christmas but i'm assuming if it's snowing then it must be around christmas time could be february bruce gets his back broken he gets crucified basically by <laughs> by bane who's the devil wow <laughs> Gets, gets his back completely broken. Yeah. He leaves. Him and Catwoman have like got a thing. No one really knows if like something's going to happen there. So Bruce needs to learn about family, right? <laughs> which is what which is what happens in Christmas films. Like Christmas films are all about the family coming together. Someone learning about being part of a family. He has no family for a start other than Michael Caine, who's... Uh, Lou leaves him halfway through anyway. And then uh, what else have I got? I've got like Batman is Gordon's guardian angel. And then what you get <laughs> when he lights the bat signal, right? And it comes up, riffing off Louis here, that creates the community that rebrings the community back together, right? That signal looks a bit like a Christmas tree as well. It looks true. It's the best Christmas present anyone could ask for, right? It's at the end, he gives up, gives up being Batman, gives up being the bad guy, and then gets with Catwoman, creates a family. Wait, wait. spoilers. Spoil the whole film for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> so, what, so what you're saying is Bane is Santa. <laughs> and, Bane. and Christian Bale or Batman is some sort of Jesus? He, he is some sort of... But he's also the devil. That binds the community together. What I'm really saying here is, guys, <laughs> is that Batman actually is all around. Bane is bad Santa, and the latter half of the film is set during snow, and that's kind of my strongest way in. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's, uh, that's a solid one, yeah. All right, I think that's strong. I Trist. chose a horror film. Dark Knight Rises, actually. Dark Knight Rises, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. Actually, I was actually going to go for actually. Batman Returns. <laughs> But I thought that was too obvious. Okay. Um, so instead, I went for a horror film called The Visit, M. Night Shyamalan film. What did, what's a brief synopsis of the film? So a brief synopsis is two kids. Um, so it's a found footage film, by the way. So two kids uh, go to visit their grandparents um, in order to kind of to bridge the gap between their mum and uh, her estranged, essentially, parents. And it's 
set during snow. So I figured that's a f- my first way in. Sounds a good way. I approve that way. In. <laughs> so I'm Dom and I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror film. But obviously, I'm not Shyamalan. He doesn't do anything else but that. Um, so yeah, so it's about family, estranged or not, but usually Christmas is about estranged families trying to come together mm-hmm. also it's a family that goes through bizarre shit because this uh, grandma <laughs> past 9 30 she gets naked <laughs> and uh she gets weird she got she starts knocking on doors she starts doing ecstasy shit uh, down the stairs weird so these kids then try to figure out what's going on with these strange grandparents but during all their detective work the grandparents during the daytime they constantly try to feed them cookies all the sugary snacks that you expect during christmas time towards the end of the film you know, um, the whole experience that turns out to be pretty fucking shit because as horror films that go, people end up dying. And yeah, by the end of it, you feel like shit because you ate too much shit um, because that was allowed. Okay, um, so you get that way oh, okay. And also, spoilers again, the grandfather, who turns out not to be a grandfather, but some escapee from a fucking mental institute, feeds this kid shit, literal shit, because he wears diapers, he can't control his bowels. So he so you're going in on the overconsumption, overconsumption angle of Christmas. Bizarre yeah. families, overconsumption, and eating um, someone's feces. That's classic Christmas. Yeah, it's classic. You you feel like shit by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That, you're that's a perfect metaphor for Christmas. I can't. And it's also called yeah. a visit. So um, yeah, visit to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a sequel. A visit actually. I mean, yes, yeah, there is actually. <laughs> a visit actually. Sweet. Well, I think. I think Sparrow has to win that. <laughs> I think Sparrow has to win it, yeah. <laughs> you guys. We're choosing a Christmas movie. <laughs> I had such a novel way into the game that it was unbelievable. Unbeatable. I feel bad now because I've kind of like, just before the podcast, I was kind of stressing what to pick and all I could think about was Christmas films until <laughs> I almost settled on Memento. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know how to get there. I'm actually pretty sure that you've brought Memento up in every single pod episode ever. <laughs> I tried to. I've actually <laughs> heard it in every single recording. Memento, funny enough, could have been quite good for this year because Christmas is likely, likely to be forgettable. Oh! <laughs> and he comes back in. <laughs> How many times is this guy going to win this evening? Jesus. Let somebody else win. Welcome to the party, pals. The party. Out, uh... Go to the coast. We'll get together. Have some laughs. Have some laughs. laughs. The podcast. Have some laughs. Chat about Die Hard. Is it a Christmas so many... film? I don't know. Having watched this film for the first time, first and only time today. Sorry, just before you say that, I need to preface. Preface? Preface. Preface. preface? preface? Everyone got their prefaces on. Preface? I need to preface that. What's both... the preface of this film? Preface. <laughs> that Sparrow and Louis have never seen Die Hard before. It came out in 88. I have actually. I saw it this afternoon so mm. <laughs> wow okay <laughs> okay you want to go in that way yeah, yeah. Uh, um yeah sorry continue i'll finish my sentence yeah no have, having seen having seen it for the first time this afternoon it put into context so many quotes that you always always use and i was like oh that's where he gets it from I, I, until until today i've just been kind of nodding along when you say these things all right <laughs> Well, you move out to the coast, you know, have a little... That one, that out. one. We'll go to the coast, we'll get together, we'll have a few laughs. You've used that so many times. Or do you try to order the pizza and be like, do I look like I'm ordering a fucking pizza lady? So, quick background on Die Hard for anyone who hasn't seen it. May well be the two people on this podcast. It's a 1998 film directed by John Mc- 1988. 1988. 1988. Directed by John McTiernan. The synopsis is, I thought this was quite funny, just all of these words in this one sentence. An NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. They're not terrorists, though. That's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's something interesting to chat about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually based on a novel called Nothing Lasts Forever, but mm-hmm. in the novel, they're actually eco the eco terrorists yeah, who are against an oil. agenda to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, like from from briefly reading what the book's about, it sounds like quite a credible like thing yeah. they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was Extinction Rebellion. It was much. It was a bit Rebellion. too heavy for eighty eight though, because well, it was too close to the truth. Interesting fact about this film was that this turned Bruce Willis into a bit of a star and. A bit? Yeah, big star. <laughs> he was paid five million dollars for the for the role, which was unheard of at the time, even and considering his level that he was at. Yeah. And apparently, overnight, all other actors, because of him being paid more, 
demanded that they got paid loads. <laughs> so everyone, everyone's pay just went up because this guy that was like supposedly not that well known got paid loads of money. I just thought that was quite funny. Because yeah. he only had, he only had few credits. What's with the name? What's with the title? Die Hard. It's such a random choice yeah. of words. Oh, it was because the novel is is actually set, and the script was meant to be set over like three days. Um, so when you take that approach, actually, like you know, it's hard to kill this fucker. Um, how, how long anyway. can people survive? Of Nakatomi Plaza. Oh, right. so it's like hard to die. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hard to kill. Um. So, but then, <laughs> Steve, are you deconstructing this like you did with American Pie? Really, it's it's just a big metaphor for Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> die hard. Okay, I'm with you. So, what do you guys think? You've this first time you've seen it, and this this to me is something I pretty much watch almost every Christmas. I feel like it's on TV <laughs> all the time. So we'll get into whether or not it's a Christmas film. Spoiler, it probably is. Because Louis, I'm I'm intrigued, intrigued about your response because I know that you were like, "Well, this is going to be another extraction." And I was like, "No, there's nuance to this film." Brickman <laughs> <laughs> does a Shakespeare bit. Shakespeare. It's inspired by Shakespeare. You mean the bit where he's like, and Alexander looked at all the lands he conquers and yeah, wept. Yeah. <laughs> When I watched that, I was like, Louis is going to love this. And that was a great line. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> I expected to hate it and I hate it. No, I'm kidding. I loved it. I actually thought it was really good. I actually thought it was really good. I mean, it's definitely like, as I'm sure everyone would agree, of its time and completely outdated and what? completely um okay maybe not <laughs> fine <laughs> and, you say outdated because it's set in the late 80s or outdated in terms of like the plot and the themes and stuff as in it just looks very dated so i mean it's got yeah. so many things in it that date it so it's got all these kind of technological references that look so old-fashioned now um and it's got a narrative structure that is just like a big bang after big bang which means there isn't an awful lot of you know, yeah, but then you get the shape, 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 shape then you have the one line of, yeah. <laughs> of nuance to it. But um, it's good fun and it's well made. Do you know what I mean? For what it is, as long as you're on board with what it is, yeah, 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 it's well made. It's not, it's not kind of loosely put together. I haven't said that though. It's a bit like you know, Dread, for example, Dread 3D, Dread 3D. That was what it was called, the Carl Urban one. Similar, similar thing. They're working their way up. Um, then you've got a film like The Raid, right? That's a similar thing. They're working their way up to towards the, you know, almost video game style. Yeah, so like Die Hard set the te- template for like the single location action. Die Hard did film. set the te- template because all the films that followed this shit was like, um, so okay, imagine Die Hard set in the White House, i.e. White House down. Yeah. Anyone wearing a string, uh, a, a vest, that's them. That's Die Hard. Die Hard set in a pub, State of the Union. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but the marriage is in tattered. building. <laughs> um, Sparrow, conscious that we're going to lose you in uh, 15 minutes yeah, as you have, a, you have a Christmas errand to run. Yeah, so no, so I, I watched it. Um, I kind of like, so it's kind of what I was expecting, like like good action and probably a bit of like cheesy humor and stuff. But um, and it kind of, but yeah, like really good. Thought it was really funny. I, I really enjoy the, the tropes that they had, like the kind of the henchman with like unnecessarily long hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, beautiful hair, flayed baddies. <laughs> and also, and also, it's like there are bits of it which are just really like I thought like just disjointed. But I just I was happy just to go along with it. Um, like there was one bit where Alan Rickman is like referencing like, oh, you grew up with all these action heroes and stuff, and he he mentions Rambo, which at the time only came out six years before. So it's like saying to someone like, oh, you grew up with this thing that came out in two thousand fourteen. It's like <laughs> well, right, not that. Okay. One, it's not like my childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, really funny, like the cab driver. But the, cab driver's jokes. The cab driver's jokes, but he, he felt really underutilized. I thought he was going to be like the main buddy. Hero. And then yeah. he's just like, does nothing until until like near the end. I forgot about him for like half an hour because I don't think they go back to him for a while while they're building out like other parts of the plot. Sorry, when you say the cab driver, Argyle. A limo driver. A limo driver, yeah. But no, no, but all in all, like, um, yeah, really good fun. And my, my favorite bit of it actually on the Christmas theme was the, the, the ending where it's just like everything blown to shit and then they just drive off and there's Christmas music. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presents! On the Christmas front, Sparrow specifically, do you feel it's a Christmas film? I think it is. Um, I think it's just an action film set at Christmas so therefore people... The reason there's a bit of a debate is because it's an action film. I've been I've been giving it a bit of thought like today, but I think if something is primarily set, and I'm sure there's exceptions. If it if something's set at Christmas time and the whole film is in over like Christmas Eve or something, even if it's a horror or an action, that kind of makes it that lends it to being a Christmas film. Whereas if it's just a normal movie and then like 
there's like 10 minutes of Christmas in it, um, like a lot of films have. And obviously, they're not Christmas films. Mm. So I would say it is, um, but I can see why a lot of people don't think it is because it's such heavy action. Yeah, but movie violence is cathartic and brings people together yeah. for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That was my surface level. You, uh, you think Santa never killed anyone? <laughs> How do you know? He goes fucking 100 miles an hour of those fucking sleighs. You know what I'm saying? I did read something that said in, uh, as anyone, I'm sh- assuming someone here has seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's the traditional every year. In that film, he does start like a bar fight. I think he tries to kill himself at one point. So like there is, <laughs> yeah. there is like action in that film, so to speak, you know, like Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard is gonna, is gonna like build on that. Hang on, are you, about to, are you about to start a new game, which is like convince me that this Christmas film is actually an action film? <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it home alone which came out after die hard i uh, think a couple years couple years after yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in a way sort of mirrors the plot in that it's like <laughs> kevin is like John McLean. it is like stopping the terrorists even though they might not be terrorists we can talk about that come into his house and try and come up the floors of his building so it's um, die hard for kids play hard die alone <laughs> die alone <laughs> It would be an interesting... I, w- I wonder if this debate would be had if it didn't have a Christmas song in the outro on the credits. It just it hammers it home that it's a Christmas film. Because I think up to that point, you just forget that it's set at it's Christmas. Run DMC as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the plot does revolve around it a little bit in that he does say that he does kind of target the building because... Nobody, nobody would be there. Yeah, that's true. It's true. But it's, it feels kind of secondary. It, it feels a little bit... um, Like for me, it, it felt a little bit random that the song that then came in on the credits was was a was a christmas song oh, but then yeah, you start to put it together and you realize oh yeah no i kind of get it okay it is a christmas film you want to the, you want the miracle theater i bring you the fbi <laughs> <laughs> it's let it snow isn't it which comes on in the, yeah. Yeah. Did you notice all the papers falling at the end look like yeah clever right but come on you know come on people say, you know. the whole story is a guy going home to his family for christmas Right and tackling the uh, tackling the obstacles that get put in his way so that he can spend Christmas with his family. So I guess it is it is a Christmas film. He's also trying to reconcile with his wife. Yeah, I was going to say it's that it's like he kind of learns True. through the plot that yeah, yeah, yeah. that he should family comes first. Yeah, you just just be before that, a whole family plaza building for the terrorists comes before that. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't um they don't resolve it really, do they? So do we know what happens to their marriage? Does he move out to California? Or oh, does... you've not seen Die Hard 2, son. Ah. Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Ooh. Die Harder. And then Die Hard 3, Die Hardest. <laughs> yeah. Die Hard 4, Die Hard Death. And then they just start getting <laughs> Die Hard. Yeah. Die. Die. Die Hard 3, Die Hard with Vengeance. That's what it's called. <laughs> die Hard with Vengeance. That's what it's called. Jeremy Irons play Hans Gruber's like brother. Who? I think he... I think Jeremy Irons plays Hans yeah. Gruber's yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good cast. I mean, we have to take a moment. Alan Rickman is just brilliant in that. He is so good in this film. He's so yeah. good. I think he's he's what makes it timeless. So, and obviously, everyone else is bringing it, but yeah. he is such a good. Well, so how is his American accent worse than his German accent, given that he's British? I mean, I would thought that you know you can do an American accent quite easily as a Brit because it's all the English language. He was so in character that he like couldn't do the <laughs> yeah. American. He wasn't doing an American accent. He was doing a German doing an American accent. Yeah, yeah. that bit where they where he mistakes him and that that is really good. That bit. So good. I do like that. I love it when he gives him the gun and then he tries to shoot and he's like, "There's no bullets in it, asshole." <laughs> what are you stupid? <laughs> I'm not stupid, hands. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently that bit was born out of like the struggle of um, Stephen D'Souza. He was the screenwriter. He was having trouble with kind of like bringing them, bringing McLean and Gruber together, but not di- not killing each other first. So kind of like their introduction. Right. Um, and then he overheard Rickman practicing his Amer- practicing his American accent to a crew member, and he's like, "Holy shit! He could just that's interesting. He, he could, could pretend yeah." To be pretend to be one of the employees and so mm. so that's what where that bit was born out of I love, I love after that when when he's walk, running down the corridor being like what were you doing up here hands <laughs> <laughs> and then he like looks over the thing and sees all the sea and he's like oh, oh shit oh shit yeah he does a lot of talking to himself in this film which is a little <laughs> bit little bit questionable like <laughs> He just starts shouting California, out. have some fun yeah. <laughs> hang out <laughs> 
one thing I did I did kind of struggle to like get my head around is like are they in an office or a hotel he like goes into her office and starts having a shower like yeah. just, what, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know yeah. there's showers in offices but yeah, like, it's, office. I know what you mean it is a bit weird because that room looks like it's a hotel room where he yeah. has cleaned up for people that don't know that building is now the Fox building in LA like it was then Fox. yeah it was then the Fox building oh, yeah, really? they, were, they were moving into it though because it was being constructed and then right? yeah yeah and they charged themselves for it as well so they were like you can have this on the house they were like no nah, we charge you <laughs> and so, <laughs> they, re- they rented it to themselves yeah 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 <laughs> I might do that with my flat next week see if I make any money it's <laughs> 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 tax deductible <laughs> There's a funny bit apparently where when because the building was being constructed, um, which was another reason they chose that building was like you would never be able to recon- recreate a whole yeah building yeah, yeah. so specifically as well. they chose one that was apparently there was a law firm in the building was just good, like finding all the gunfire just like nuts during shooting <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently they threatened to sue I just love the idea of eight lawyers coming out of an office and just going to production and being like we're a law firm and we're going <laughs> to sue you to the working here. <laughs> Far in the RPG on the eighth floor. <laughs> what do we think about the angle that, uh, if you really want to get into it, um, if you want to go in Bruce style on this, Gruber is the Grinch, McLean <laughs> is Bad Santa, and Powell, who's the his cop, who he who he talks to, is like his guardian angel, so to speak. I mean, there's a Christmas way in there, right? He's like good good Santa. Does the guardian angel need to redeem himself? He's kind of the guardian angel to McLean, right? Like, there's bits where McLean kind of doubts he's going to get out alive. And yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the inner voice. I guess it's, you're right, though. His story is more about redemption, isn't it? It's which is yeah. which again, it's Christmas, right? It's renewal. Oh, it's, that. Uh, yes, it's that born again. Love that shot when he's like holding the pistol, and then yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That is such an eighties shot. Though. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, and he's got his revolver. Everyone else has proper like Glocks, and he's like. Like where does that? T- There's like a yeah. whole group of people there, and loads of police, and suddenly like long hair comes out of nowhere, and he's like, Shh. yeah, and and he's hanged himself, and he's been blown up. Yeah, he was the one who got hanged, and 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 he was on the roof when the C4 went off. So <laughs> <laughs> he somehow made it all the way down the building in the non-working elevators, Ra- and then ran out of uh, hostages. No oh, terrorists, yeah, but most bank robbers. I would say uh, just to add to your, is it a Christmas film? There's a few ways to look at it creatively, culturally, and uh, from the business standpoint. So creatively, there's about Christmas word is mentioned 18 times, way more than uh, like explosions or C4 or guns, guns or, or terrorists. Um, okay. So, and obviously there's a bunch of shots of Christmas trees, Christmas has, you know, elves, whatever. So from the frame point and from the dialogue, creative essentially, it's a yeah, they wanted to make it into like a Christmas, definitely a Christmas film. Then from a business standpoint, probably not because nothing, you know, no taglines, no posters uh, suggest that it is a Christmas film because usually even The Visit, for example, uh, has a Christmas themed poster. It's not nothing to do with Christmas, but it has a... When did it come out? 1988, July. July. Yeah. Oh, and it obviously isn't a Christmas film. This is the conversation that, is, that we are that having. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, because usually... So this is how I wanted it to be. <laughs> Christmas films are dropped about 10... Yeah, 10, 10 7 weeks before Christmas. 10, Not 6. Someone got 11. Well, that wrong on the hard side then. <laughs> well, Fox wanted... Uh, the reason why... So the script was handed in on a Friday and it was greenlit on a Saturday but it was because Fox was desperate for a summer blockbuster, which was uh, which is the reason for this film to actually really happen. Um, because mm. It's it, random. That is, it's a completely wrong time for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because from the business point, they had no intention of it being a Christmas film until like thirty years later, because they, they uh, the studio actually dropped a Christmas themed trailer for Die Hard. That was probably more in reaction to people calling. And it a then Christmas. there's culturally, actually, there's um, culturally more and more people accept it as a Christmas film, and on Google uh, searches. Die Hard actually boosts up around December time, November, December time. Can I also add Bruce Willis, uh, who play Holly and Powell, the, the so those three cast members, they all have said publicly that it's not a Christmas film. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Well, he like says it. that it's a Bruce Willis film, which which is like we <laughs> had two credits before. Well, this. Well, what are you saying? saying? That's like a Kanye thing to say. <laughs> really, really, it's an Akatomi Plaza film. If you think about, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> So I got a jet. Have a good Christmas, all. Die hard, hey. And uh, okay, yeah. Play gentle. Die hard. Da-da. Oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. See you guys. Bye. Bye. So it's interesting how 
you guys have uh, in the game we played you guys picked up on how like community and bringing family together are the backbone of a christmas film everyone seems to have their own slight criteria of what a christmas film is but i would say that those are universal though because i mean regardless of it being tier four here like as soon as like they, they were like christmas is cancelled all trains were packed so that they could see their family so i think that shit's universal the family aspect for sure why were the terrorists german as well there, there are so many things questions raised by by sorry i keep coming back you were talking earlier about how the fact they shouldn't be called terrorists oh yeah because they end up being robbers yeah essentially, well they, they want people to think that they're terrorists right so that so that the fbi blow them. yeah because they do that the, the time delay thing where they say to release hostages in these other countries yeah yeah, yeah. and they want they want the power to get shut off so they can open the vault so they say they're terrorists what is it that alan rickman says to holly when she's like oh you're just a common thief and he's like well now i'm moving up to kidnapping you should be because it's just snape chasing it was all a dream theory about that but yeah it, it does have all the flourishes and 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 kind of sprinklings of what you want at christmas like christmas trees it's on Christmas Eve. There's gift wrapping. Isn't Santa Claus as in St. Nicholas German? Uh, yeah. Ooh. So just throwing that Whoa. one in there like a live grenade. Ooh. Just throw a live grenade. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes line on their website is, I thought this was interesting. It's on under Die Hard. It says it's many imitators and sequels have never come close to matching the taut thrills of the definitive holiday action classic. Yeah. Holiday action. That's American for Christmas. It is. Um, Cheers. Cheers for that. Speaking of uh, Christmas, so just a bit of trivia. Jingle Bells is actually written for Thanksgiving, not Christmas. Any housers. Um, Whoa. <laughs> gonna drop that one in there and then move on. <laughs> yeah, boy. What are the lyrics to Jingle Bells? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Yeah. So much fun yeah. to have. One horse, one, one horse open sleigh. Is that is that a thing? Isn't that no? What is one horse open sleigh in relation to? God no. It's probably. I think what it is is it's a reference to the helicopter that decides to shoot John <laughs> McClane. <laughs> it's like hang on, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> I love, I love that because it always rem- it reminds me of uh, of Total Recall when he's like, "See you at the party, Richter." Party, <laughs> yeah, but it, it is interesting because this role was offered to the big action '80s stars like Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Frank's- Everyone turned it down. Frank Sinatra. Is that true? What? Yes, because so he wrote. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. What? So there was a film in the, in '68 called Detective, written by the same author that wrote Nothing Lasts Forever. So contractually, they had to offer it to Frank Sinatra, who played the detective in the '68 film. But he was 70 at this point, so he obviously said no. Lucky for us. Lucky for Sinatra had been in this film. Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, why, why, why are you shooting at me, see? <laughs> You go, you go to the sixth six floor and they just hear this like amazing piano like going through the like, hey. oh yeah and I, I, I'm coach. we'll get together we'll have a few laughs eh? I got a feeling that um, hey guys, I'm stuck on the 55th floor of Nakatomi Plaza <laughs> Powell's character would have been played by one of the guys from the get his name Sammy Sammy Jr. probably would have been played by Powell um, who also would have been in his 70s or 80s I'm glad they didn't go down that route yeah, but like you said, literally everyone under the sun in terms of eighties, eighties, um, you know, action film. Even Richard Gere, yeah, he's not an action star. He's like, you know, neither Bruce Willis, as I understand at the time. No, he no, no. He 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 just had a, a role in a TV show of a detective, and then he might have had another film role credit under his name. That's why everyone was like, oh, the desk, because nobody took. Yeah, so when nobody bit on the script. Um, and obviously Bruce Willis did. Everyone said that they're basically oh, and the reason when they gave him five mil were, was because they were desperate for a superstar. I mean, but that must have been a big budget movie, right? It was it was twenty five to thirty, which is really yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know why it's called twenty five to thirty. Not that big, right? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. It was on Wikipedia. They probably lost track of how big it was because of all the explosions. They were like, I don't know how much damage this was. Yeah, the lawyers were coming out being like, <laughs> one more gun. <laughs> They also don't know how much Fox took for their own yeah. hiring of their, their own. Rent. Yeah, twenty million of it was the rent. On the casting front, though, he is well. He is so well cast because he yeah. is the schlub. Bruce Willis is he's the everyman kind of NYPD cop guy. And if if you put Stallone in that role, it would have been yeah. a different film. Yeah. Also, Schwarzenegger ironically wanted to go into comedy at that time. He did Twins instead. I guess Louis must have found this a bit disorientating how it's like, this is a big action movie and then it starts and he's like on the plane yeah. next to some guy. Oh, he, and he's like, shoes off. <laughs> and there's a hijacking. 
Yeah. And then, like later on, when he does that, and he like McLean is curling his feet, and it pans up to McLean, he's like, "God, son of a bitch!" Son this guy, like, he's red. Such a random, pointless point. Like that, that, that never comes back. You know that he. Why is he? Why does he have shoes on? Establishes that he doesn't have shoes on. Yeah, no. It, it was basically it was weird. So I watched. Uh, I don't know if anyone watches pitch meetings on YouTube. It's great. Kind of like takes the piss and plot holes of films. Um, and the guys over there. So it's not my point here. I didn't. I didn't think of this. Uh, but basically, he's like, TM. "Oh yeah, we need a whole backstory to why he, you know, he steps on broken glass because you know that's kind of like his Jesus moment, like walk on water, walk on broken glass." <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Trust me, it was like far, far fetched and stuff. But it's odd to have a whole backstory to as to why he doesn't have shoes. He yeah, takes a whole shower. He's like when he kills the first guy, he's like, "I had to kill the one guy who had sized." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of- It worked out <laughs> great, but- I think. Like. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It, that's the thing, though. It adds a bit of color to the film. Yeah, it had depth to it. Like, it's it goes in lots of different directions, and it's not it's not just painfully like, obvious what's going to happen from the very beginning. I think the real crime of the film, though, is the amount of overhead locker space that McLean takes up with his kids' stuffed animals. <laughs> as present. Oh, yeah, that yeah. is criminal. That is criminal. He deserves everything that happens to him. <laughs> yeah. No, if, this, if this was made nowadays, you'd have someone being like, "You must sure. only carry 30, 30 grams of a present, yeah, and it can only get, you just like, leave the stuff there at home." The later Die Hard films seem to like extraction. Yeah, they're not able. They don't. They can't capture the kind of color of the first one because they he he becomes a bit more like superhuman in the later ones in some well, sense. Yeah, that's the thing. And the beauty the, the one, thing that made this a great film was that it's a, a New York cop who is a great balance between every man and action hero. He's not an everyman because he, he obviously is a cop, so he kind of knows his way with a gun and knows knows how to kind of deal with a situation like this. But he's elevated to a new to a new kind of height of action because he's forced to. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. The second one is the closest to the DNA of, of the first. Yeah, one. because all what it does is kind of like subverts what you've seen before. So even on a superficial level, which is which is obviously NYPD cop in LA, that, that's LA cop. Second one is LA cop in uh, New York. I think Alan Rickman just adds so much to this film. Yeah. He yeah. elevates the, the, the whole film, actually. He looks good in a suit as well. Just saying. But he also has this kind of weird, fluffy boy band haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a looker when he was younger. This was also a film that shot him to big Ooh. kind of Hollywood fame. He was a Broadway guy before. Shakespeare guy with his Alexander the Great. <laughs> Alexander looked on his dominions. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely a trope in this film which is i guess maybe is that quite common in the 80s of completely inept institutions right so the idea that yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah it's kind of like government and it all goes wrong so it's just kind of take everything into your own hands i love the fbi guy who's clearly like a vietnam vet yeah. who's just like <laughs> shoot people up yeah. like my gun baby <laughs> just drop and the, the guy is like, I can't do that. I'll get the mayor on my ass. <laughs> that is what makes this film. But you have to wonder, was this stuff made with the intention of being funny? Or is it just aged really well so that now you laugh at it? Obviously, everything's subjective because we can't ask the director. But McTiernan did want... He, Let's the, ask the director. So the reason for them being basically bank robbers robbers, and not terrorists was because he uh, McTiernan was like, oh, you know, it's too heavy, it's too heavy for the audiences. So... That's the first indication that he wanted a bit more, something a bit more lighter. And then the writer, the original writer, not D'Souza, the the guy that did the first draft of it, he was known for a bit of more comedy. He'd never done action films uh, or thrillers and stuff. Jeb Stewart. Jeb Stewart was known for kind of like comedies and, you know, the other biggest action film he did was uh, The Fugitive. So... Yeah, so that was probably from him. And then Steven D'Souza, he, he kind of rewrote the, the more action bits and uh, pretty much the, the entire script. But he kept those, you know, those comedic parts. It doesn't feel to me like it didn't mean to be funny in the first place. And now suddenly it's funny. It almost feels like there was a nuance to the filmmaking that is kind of timeless, like when you get it right. So for example, right. when the SWAT guys were approaching the building, there was a tiny clip of one of them that ran past a rose and he pricked himself. He hit, hit the rose and he went, oh. <laughs> like it's like a, t- a tiny little clip and it kind of like humanizes the SWAT guys yeah, yeah. a bit Ow. And it's like it's really kind of tonally a bit random but it kind of fits in with the yeah. whole tone of it. that there's little bits like that and then it, the right after that shot it cuts to one of the terrorists who's holding him downstairs and he's in like this little news agent's bit and he looks down uh, yeah, yeah. 
bar and he's like and you kind of get like, these I little, want the chocolate bar yeah, yeah. true it's these true moments like that and like I think that's where the comedy kind of comes from um it's just having an understanding that people are gonna f- are gonna f- that stuff is gonna yeah. balance so well against the action and it can't, take, it, it can't take itself too seriously as well because it just like, you just know that if you make a film like that people are gonna watch ironically um McTiernan basically he did Predator before um which again you could say like that did it age as well because you have like Schwarzenegger's line which is like yeah. still on you son of a bitch you've been pushed oh, yeah, yeah 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 so you know Schwarzenegger is actually called out in the film isn't he isn't there a line where they say like oh it's they've got enough T they've got enough C4 for Schwarzenegger or something McLean says that that's why McTeagan one wanted to go to Schwarzenegger first because he's obviously worked with him before obviously wrong timing but uh, so he had a sense of like kind of like balancing out this kind of like you know what people want not necessarily what people want but kind of like what will even out the the kind of like nonsense action or just kind of like insane action uh, much like in Predator which is like you, you get like guys skinned alive and then you have lines like like Dylan son of a bitch you've been pushing too many pencils <laughs> many pencils that works so well with the Christmas setting as well because there's just certain yeah. things like have you noticed how Theo the hacker guy like oh, yeah. he's just always whistling like a Christmas tune whenever he's walking around breaking <laughs> into stuff that's another thing there's a sound what, what I can't remember I, I can't remember what the piece is but the whole soundtrack is built around that classic piece of music yeah it makes it sound really sinister right yeah like, and it's really well crafted because it's at the party at the start and then the whole rest of the film keeps coming back to that theme it does those little notes where it sounds like it's gonna maybe go into yeah you can hear that like christmas kind of horn noise but it sounds a bit off like mm. it doesn't quite you could make a strong argument that die hard is the original office christmas movie <laughs> yeah i mean is it i mean is it a christmas an movie? <laughs> <laughs> let's revisit this party is it christmas yeah but who sets their fucking office party on the 24th it's christmas i mean Eve. people who have no lives that's who ben is. But who goes to an office christmas party on the 25th <laughs> no it'd be like on the 11th of december usually <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is where the, this is where the film loses me <laughs> i love that there's that random just that random bit where they drag the naked lady out of the office it's so completely a point uh, unnecessary Need, not needed yeah <laughs> It's like it wouldn't be an 80s film without a little bit of gratuitous nudity at the beginning. I love the when he's like crawling away from the guy who's shooting him on the table. You're going to run out of table. And he's like, quick, <laughs> <Yeah>. goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for the advice, pal. Yeah, aim to kill them. Thanks yeah. for the advice, pal. I quite like the bit at the start when he plays with the, when McLean puts in the touchscreen for his wife's second name and he realizes that she's kept, uh, he, she's not got his name. Oh, and he says, says to the guy, like, cute toy. And then the guy's, yeah, if you want to take a leak, it'll help you find your zipper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the most basic touchscreen. I'm like, man, if this guy saw phones today, <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> that thing looks like a ticket machine from 2005. <laughs> bit where he calls the woman is this a distress call or are you like pranking she hears gunfire i love oh, yeah. how she hears the gunfire she's like yeah maybe check that out i don't really <laughs> know send the cop over maybe one but that's the point every single every single position of authority is just completely inept in this film which is which is really unbelievable and it's like it's trying to make a point about authority being the idea that institutions are corrupt but and individuals they will just they kind of will fail you at all times at every step of the way in a sense that's kind of also a thing of like the 80s because in the 80s you you had a lot of like civil unrest follow, followed even more but in the 90s actually um but yeah so that kind of kind of if if you want to look at it that way and not just like a christmas film you, you would take that away the fact that you know uh police were inept police were you know ex- using excessive force and stuff all that was in this on the surface this is late 80s almost 90s right so yeah. yeah although i guess the biggest um the biggest miscarriage of police force is actually in what's his name's character the guy who confesses that he shot a kid oh yeah um, no that, that was like oh jesus this is relevant <laughs> he, yeah no he, he shot a kid um but I, I for some reason the way he reacted to that his own sentences I was like oh he pr- he he lost yeah. his mojo and he which is also weird like because obviously I don't, if you kill the kid I don't think you'd get to just like keep your job and and, and we we'll also cheer for him when he kind of like raises his fucking gun like oh yeah yeah but you yeah, like why does he kid? have a gun <laughs> so he should be pushing <laughs> pencils he holds up a pencil yeah. <laughs> Doing on the road. <laughs> a Twinkie. <laughs> you trying to say that then, uh, if we're talking about structures and systems failing us, that when you can't rely on 
Royal Mail to send your packages, you know that Santa is going to bring them. Yeah, yeah, that's, pre- that's pretty much it. Um, but to deliver hard. To be fair, as of late, if if anyone's been paying attention to the movies, which I have, few Santas have been failing us over and over, which would be Kurt Russell in uh, Christmas Chronicles, um, Fat Mel Gibson in Fat Man, and uh, Kurt Russell again in Christmas Chronicles Two. That man just looks nuts. It's like John Wick if he was Santa. Yeah, which begs it again, like, is it a Christmas film? <laughs> I mean, that's dun, well, dun, dun. not today, but uh, yeah. It sounds like we're all in agreement that this is, in fact, a Christmas film. I sort of wish I'd taken the other view so that we could have had an argument about it. Well, I mean, you're welcome can, to. Can we start uh, the recording again? Thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll start again. <laughs> Hello, and welcome <laughs> to Die Hard, Hard is not a Christmas film. Back it up, back it up. I'll tell you what, though, the argument that it's not a Christmas film, I, I really can't, I was thinking this earlier, I can't think of anything other than the fact the plot isn't solely around Christmas. It came out in July. I think that's quite, that. I didn't know that coming into this. Yeah, now that I know it, I am, I, I genuinely, because uh, how do you define a Christmas film? Surely part of it is, is its intention, right? It's like, was it released as a Christmas film? If you watch huh? it every year at Christmas, yeah, that makes well, it you can watch Batman every every year at Christmas. Doesn't make it so quite. Hey, Dark Knight Rises is a Christmas movie. Actually, Dark Knight Rises actually. Look at look at it this way. Um, Back to the Future, Back to the Future always gets um, thrown down around ITV or some shit uh, around Christmas time. All these eighties classics always get thrown around Christmas times. For, for... That does have Christmas scenes in it, though, doesn't it? Or, or not? But so does this. Yeah, like this heavily. <laughs> the film is on Christmas Eve, so it, it almost feels like it's a given that it's a Christmas film. But yeah, it's just but that then... the studio didn't want it because uh, studio, uh, summer blockbusters, everything post Jaws. If you want a big summer release, you do it in summer. No one goes to the cinemas around Christmas, not back then at least. Also, if you families going to the cinema at Christmas will not even be able to go and watch Die Hard. Yeah, because right? it was R-rated. So, um, and also the studio didn't want to do anything to do with christmas because obviously the the whole poster releases the whole tagline stuff was was around terrorists and you know john mcclain being the only guy and all the odds are against him but he likes it that way uh, the studio didn't want anything to do with christmas except the fact that they set a whole film inside their building that set at christmas <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it took them 30 years 30 years to kind of release a, a christmas themed trailer for it which they're had just like, gonna need to release a statement aren't they they're going to need you to like tweet out a statement saying we we finally acknowledge that Die Hard is a Christmas film. You can't put um you can't put Let It Snow at the end of your film and not yeah, say Yeah, that's film. ridiculous. Yeah, but where where did you see the snow? In in the paper metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was meant to be somewhere uh, it was meant to be a bit more north. Um I think at least the novel is or something something like that because basically they couldn't get obviously they can't get the snow there. Come to the north. We get together. We'll have a few laughs. <laughs> Come on the pod. We'll have a few laughs. Talk about how it's <laughs> To be fair, the second one compensated for all the lack of snow in the first one. Can I say one other thing before we wrap up that, uh, that I didn't know? That this was actually nominated for four Academy Awards for film and no. sound, it's visual just... effects and sound mixing. And i got to say, when I watched it this time on a fairly good sound system, I thought the sound mixing was actually incredible. It's For me, the weirdest part about all that is the fact that like an action film would get nominated for an Oscar? You don't see that these days. How do you do that <laughs> on a you know Bruce Willis a fucking unknown? C four gets exploded at the top of the building and at the bottom of the building. <laughs> yeah, how did that building not let just fucking evaporate? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we've talked around this. We've made a decision. So in conclusion, Die Hard is not a Christmas film. In conclusion, Die Hard actually is a Christmas <laughs> film. <laughs> Um, Sparrow, what do you think? Bye. <laughs> Sparrow, what's your opinion on the Nakatomi Plaza? Bye. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a solid approach from Sparrow. Uh, I think that's well documented. Sparrow has strong views on this topic. He doesn't want to doesn't want to divulge information straight away. <laughs> so this is our last episode of 2020. Maybe 2021. Bye, to meet in real life. Can't say it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Can't say that the pod has been a very very good. Yeah thing to keep me sane during it has been a beacon of light like the light on a dvd player that lights up when you put in like the c4 your... explosion on DVD. the roof instant messages on catfish been a ray of hope well, to be fair it's what kept me watching a ton of stuff so i could just be kind of like fresh in the knowledge i mean benas you watched about 50 times more than you had to <laughs> for this pod i like to make sure that you know i covered the quota yeah. you really 
approach watching films from a pretty diehard perspective. I <laughs> <laughs> call the C4 down the elevator <laughs> shelf. <laughs> He's like, yippee-ki-yay, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> He finishes one film and presses play on the next one. He's like, yippee <laughs> Turn on TV, watch some films, have a few laughs. <laughs> me earlier, McLean. yippee ki <laughs> By the way, did you notice the guns he has on his back are strapped with Christmas tape? Like yeah, crazy. I mean, come on. <laughs> if that's not bringing Christmas, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah, I rest hey. my case, god damn it. Exactly. Uh, our next episode is Little Miss Sunshine in 2021. Wait, how'd you get there? It's just going to be our next episode. Interesting. That is a great film. Got a friend who wants to come on and do it. Oh, uh, and, uh, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> my friend Will. Shout out Will. Will. Hi, Will. Will. Hi. Start the year with a little bit... A Ray of Hope, which was that, that's a really good feel-good feel movie. A little, bit of, a little bit of lightheartedness. A little bit of uh, smiles. I'm trying to go for the different tones here, like Die Hard to Little Miss Sunshine feels like quite a leap. <laughs> It is a leap, but then we'll come back around again next Christmas, Die Hard 2. Is it still a Christmas? Oh, no, 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 this is not a new tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I didn't like it that much. He's like, can we just do Love Actually again? <laughs> we can rotate between Die Hard and Love Actually. I'm up for that. Yeah. So it's our Richard Kerr's Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I should have put Bruce Willis in Love Actually. That would have been perfect. That would be. Someone's probably deep faked him into it on like Liam. <laughs> Starring with Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah, put Hans Gruber in Love Actually and put, <laughs> put Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Imagine how dark that shit would get. <laughs> That'd be so funny. You'd have like a really like loving scene in Love Actually, and you just have Hans Gruber standing there being like, "I bring you the FBI." It's Love Actually. <laughs> love Actually is all around. <laughs> Goodbye from me. Thanks everyone who's listening this year. Goodbye from Ben Ass. Uh, goodbye and hopefully I'll see you next year. Goodbye from Lee. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Merry Christmas, everyone. Goodbye from Sparrow. Bye. <laughs> Alrighty. Bye bye. <laughs>